everyone, and welcome to the Tidewad Tech, episode 16, Whose Land Is It Anyway? Recorded October 11th, 2010. This week we're going to take a, a, a bit of a, a step back and, and diverge from our uh, scheduled plan things, and we're going to say it's for a good reason, but really it's just because we couldn't get a hold of anybody this week. Um, yeah. There's a scheduling issue. Uh, we have we had several some, actually yeah we we have a lot of uh, really good potential people um, uh, lined up but none of them could be here today you know and Sean keeps using that baby excuse uh, for why he hasn't <laughs> yeah. uh, gotten guests and uh, so this week we're just going to talk about something interesting that happened to us last week that happened in our school and that it might uh, talk about what it might mean for you because uh, I I like to think that we're um, if not typical, certainly not atypical. Uh, so uh, if, if something interesting happens to us and, and there's a lesson we can learn from it, maybe it'll do some good for you too. So uh, we're going to tell a couple of interesting stories uh, and then go from there. So um, not a lot of hardcore stuff today, uh, not a lot of uh, real geek stuff, uh, but hopefully just some entertaining conversation. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> So start us off. Uh, uh, I, I'm just working down the list here. I'll try and lead you into things, so, right? So I can perform some sort of function. Yes, yeah, you don't know anything <laughs> about anything. Uh, uh, so uh, we talked about a calendar. Yes, if you are um, a regular visitor of the Taiwan Tech website, and uh, you're probably not because there's only about twenty that are. Um, uh, you will notice that there is a new link up at the top that says. Unprepared, didn't have it open. Calendar? Show schedule. Oh, okay, there you go. And this is just a, it's, it's a copy of the Google Doc that we work from, uh, or a publication of the Google, Google Doc that we work from. And we have, uh, episodes planned out, uh, all the way through the middle of February. Um, subject to heavy editing. For example, today's is going to be moved somewhere else. It's already not accurate. Uh, but right. if, and, and they're, they're not very, um, loquacious uh, in their descriptions it just says things like desktop distance learning and uh, because it's just our notes it's not meant for public consumption however uh, if you look through there and you see something that is interesting or something you want to know more about feel free to contact us or if uh, if we're talking about oh say uh, IP telephony, uh, which is an episode coming up, uh, a couple of months out. And you happen to be an expert or know an expert in IP telephony. Um, contact us. That's kind of why we're putting this out here so that, uh, that we can start crowdsourcing a little bit and that, uh, and help you guys, our community, uh, participate in, uh, in rounding up guests and, and giving us ideas. So, uh, just so you don't think that we're just willy nilly on these things, we actually, you know, we're nilly. We're not willy nilly. Right. Uh, but we do have a plan, uh, that is just a loose plan. It's, it's very much subject to change. So anyway, check it out at our, our website at thetightwadtech.com. Check the show schedule and, uh, you'll see there that we have things, uh, listed, uh, for every Thursday. When we schedule interviews, we'll put those on there too, so that you'll know who we're interviewing and when we'll actually be recording um, uh, as and, much as we know it. Yeah, and interviews, I guess we should note that uh, interviews may or may not be streamed because they could be recorded any time, really. Right, yeah. Uh, our goal, our hope, is to uh, get these things um, 
sort of in the can. Maybe have uh, next week's in the can already while we're working on on uh, the week after. You know, we want to try to stay a week ahead so that we don't run into these same kind of scheduling issues. But yeah, we will probably go ahead and 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 broadcast uh, anytime we do something. And if you know, if you're a follower on Twitter or Facebook and you get the message and you want to listen, go ahead. If you don't, uh, wait for it to come to your RSS reader. Yeah. So and uh, remember, we don't get paid for this, so don't hold us to any of this scheduling <laughs> stuff. Keep your expectations low, and we won't disappoint you. Right. All right. And Sean wanted to, uh, we've been, since our uh, episode 10, I believe it was, Spiceworks, uh, we downloaded Spiceworks, have been using it every day, and have been uh, investigating it, kick the tires, and we have some um, opinions of it, uh, and some, some things that we like, some things that we don't like, and, and we think that we sort of need to do our due diligence to uh, uh, bring you up uh, to speed on that, and, and since Sean uses it a bit more than I do, I'll let him start with, uh, let's start with the good. What's good about Spice Uh Well, one, I really like the interface, and honestly, the, the community is awesome. Uh, there's so much going on there in the SpiceWorks community that you, you can't keep up with it all. Um, they've got uh, an amazing uh, array of groups that you can join. So if you're a Cisco guy, you can go join the Cisco group. And, and it is truly one of the better traveled communities I've seen. So so that's a great resource, right? And the interface itself is, is nice, and I like that. So uh, those are, you know, the best things that I've seen, really. Uh, still haven't kicked the tires, really, on the... Uh, the help desk system. Yeah, we dabbled with it, uh, but not really uh, put it to use because we right. we already have a, a trouble ticket system, and it's one of those things that uh, if we're going to ask people to change, there has to be a compelling reason to change, not just because we like it better, right? Uh, because we've already trained them, they already know this system, and and it's going to be a pain for them. It may be a, a minor pain or it may be a major pain, but either way, change always brings about pain, and so. If we're going to put our staff through that, we need to have a good reason. And so far, we haven't found that good reason. It's not significantly better than what we have, uh, enough that it was, it's worth the change so far. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's something that's very hard to gauge without actually getting your users in and using it. So, uh, I think at some time, at some time, maybe we set, uh, you know, we have a special tech team that's the uh, teachers that, uh, are kind of go-betweens uh and uh so they're supposed to be a little bit more tech savvy and, and you know what? Wait, wait, wait. let me interrupt you there that's an important thing we don't need to gloss over that we right. it took us years to get a tech team um right it took me years i've been working toward this for a long time so let's talk a little bit about what our tech team is at our district and how important it is uh as, as to what's going on Right. Well, our tech team is made up of teachers. And at this point, and uh, it makes sense for us since we're a small school district, but it's district level. So it happens at the district level. And we have a couple of teachers who are representatives from each campus, uh, in addition to the principals from each campus. And, uh, uh, the superintendent, of course, and then me and Mark, uh, we serve as advisors. That's right. We make no decisions. Right. We are simply advisors on that, those team meetings. And we're literally instructed not to speak in those meetings unless called upon. And uh, we both agree with that. We think right. it's a good it, it's, thing. It sounds bad. You guys can be in here and don't speak. But the idea is um, that it's their team. It's their technology. It's their integration. We're there to uh, help them avoid pitfalls, if need be. And we're there to uh, point them in the right direction, but we are not there to make policy. That's not what the tech team does. Right. 
And, you know, and sometimes, like you said, you know, I'm like, uh, well, I can't remember, uh, Horchak in the, in the back. Oh, Mr. Cotta, Mr. <laughs> you know, try to raise my hand and get, get attention when you, when you hear him kind of running towards that cliff. But, and so what we have is, uh, again, we're a small district, so our team is only 11 people. Um, and, but those 11 people, um, Again, they're not so much policy makers. That's not what this does. The policy is made by the superintendent and the school board and, and the principals, uh, in separate meetings. But it's about the integration. Now we don't have a full-time, uh, technology integration specialist. I would like to have that, but our budget simply doesn't allow for it. So what our tech team does is they get together, they compare notes and say, these are the things that across the district um, we need more help with or this is a problem that uh, we see developing or these and, and a good part of it is is these are good things that we're doing that's functioning really well here let's share that with somebody else and so for the first right. time in years specifically in the area of or not for the first time in years for the first time ever specifically in the area of instruction we have this across the the district um sharing now every district has you know a site based committee or or some some entity like that uh where you get together and and most every school has some sort of technology committer, committee at least in name only if you're a texas school and you've had to to do the the whole e rate uh, e plan thing you had to have a tech committee, right? but there may have been people on it for the last five years who never knew they were on it. They were just a name filled in a blank. Yeah, and you're like, um, oh, she's, she's dead now. <laughs> cross her <laughs> off the list then. Right. <laughs> Major League. Uh, so... Uh, but what we're doing, and it's, it's really cool, and, uh, it's our superintendent, uh, this is his second year. He took a year to, to sort of, uh, get the lay of the land and, and dig his heels in a little bit. And then, and then in the second year, he's really begun to put out some, uh, pretty cool, um, uh, initiatives. And the tech team was one of them. It was his idea. Uh, he didn't handpick the, uh, teachers. Uh, they, he let the principals at each campus do that. And so this tech team gets together, and for example, uh, they wanted to talk about, uh, Moodle integration. Now we all, ha- we have a Moodle and we've been pushing this Moodle, but they decided that, that the training that they had had, the, you know, three hours one summer afternoon wasn't enough. So they took it on themselves to create, um, 45 minute, um, conference period blocks of training and then they go out to the uh, to the teachers and say you know hey, look we share a conference period let's let's get this together let me show you this really cool thing and it's really skyrocketed our technology um, a- adoption uh, right. teachers are getting it because they're hearing it from a teacher and that's huge yeah I, I think that's a very important uh, important point to make uh, and us tech guys you know it, it can be hard to swallow but the teachers don't want to hear it from us they just don't and uh, it, it, you know. I don't, whatever your approach is, it's, it's, it's not going to have credibility. It's not going to have the same amount of credibility as if it comes from a teacher. And even if you're a former teacher turned tech guy, they see that former word and, and teachers want to hear from somebody who's in the trenches right now beside them. Right. And they'll say things like, well, that's not, you know, things have changed a lot in the last few years since you were out of the classroom. But when a teacher says, look what I'm doing or look what I saw this other teacher doing, isn't this exciting? It really, uh, changes the entire atmosphere of the district and and like uh, scott floyd said a couple of episodes ago i'm looking forward to the day when we stop talking about technology integration and just start talking about teaching 
Yeah. And the technology is just a tool. We don't talk about pencil integration and we don't talk about eraser integration. They're just tools and they're ubiquitous and everybody knows how to use them. And that's what I'm looking for. That's the goal of this whole tech team technology integration thing. But it's a very cool thing. If your district doesn't do it, push for it. Now, it took me a decade, so it may not happen overnight, but the benefits will be worth the effort uh, when it does happen. Well, and in some districts, you're going to run into uh, personality types that just aren't going to allow that to happen. Uh, you may have your tech person that is uh, the Gestapo guy, the SS guy, and just doesn't want to let go of control. And, you know, we like to say, here's here's your network, here's your computer systems, use it. Do what you will with it. We're here to make it work for you. And we like to think in those terms. And I think uh, there's there's a lot of districts out there that don't have that, aren't fortunate enough to have that, uh, you know. And and so as much as they, w- you know, wish for what we've got going on there, uh, they may not be able to make it happen. But uh, push, you know. You, you, change only happens if you push for it. So, All right, so I, I interrupted you, and we chased a rabbit there. You right. were talking about Spiceworks and getting our feet wet with the uh, trouble ticket part of it. Yeah, and I, I don't know when that's going to happen, but those tech team teachers would be the people to test it out, uh, same way we tested out Google Apps. Uh, so it, that's a beneficial thing for us is it gives us a core group of teachers that we can test things out on and uh, work the bugs out, and then when we think we've got something that's ready to go out to the rest of the district – uh, you've got a group of teachers that now help get your get the buy-in of the rest of the district, right? So they're they're really working PR for you out there as well, and they're helping integrate all of this stuff. So uh, so that's probably what will how we'll attack the SpiceWorks help desk when we do try it, and uh, just get their two cents back as far as uh, what's it like. We may even bring some of them on. Uh, I think it would be interesting to get them one or two on the show, and you know they can tell us what they thought about it. Uh, so, uh, but I'm a little leery and we'll go in the other direction with, uh, you know, the downsides, uh, is, uh, going with that, uh, on the inventory side of Spiceworks, it appears to have some database problems as best I can tell. And, you know, I'm going to say it loosely, but, uh, as that database has grown, it seems to have gotten slower and it's not huge. I mean, we're a small school district, so, uh, you know, they talked about, uh, huge districts using Spiceworks. Um, when, uh, when you're clicking between screens and unfortunately, like if you need to manually add a, a new item, uh, which does happen, uh, you've got to go through a couple of screens, which that's one design flaw I don't really yeah, like. Let's address that a little bit. The, uh, yeah. the Spiceworks, uh, it's sort of designed uh, to go out and scan your network and find your devices and populate the database. And it does that well, uh, but it's so focused on that that the manual entry of items uh, is very difficult to do. For example, Spiceworks is never, ever, 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 ever going to scan a monitor and put it into the database. Okay. Right. So if you or want your inventory to include, well, projectors might have IP interfaces, but if you want your inventory <laughs> to include a monitor, you have to put that in yourself. And that's the way we're going. We're, we're putting everything in there. Now we're not doing uh, keyboards and mice, but everything that costs, you know, a couple hundred bucks, we're putting in there and we're using that for asset management and tracking. Right. Now to enter a new monitor, you have to click in the inventory window, then you click new asset, and then you select what type of asset. All right, I'm okay with that so far. Yeah. And then you give it a name of some sort and a serial number, whatever you have it. 
Um, no, you can't do a serial number there, can you? You, you do a name, and then you click OK. Oh, yeah, I'm trying to recall what it was. And then you go back and you search things. that item in the, the database, which can take several seconds, like 45 seconds. Then you find it. Then you edit it. Then you go into the section, and then you can put in, you know, whatever you want to do, the the serial number, the your own asset tag. Like you can't right. put an asset tag in it, all right? So we have an asset tag, and we've printed out barcodes, and we have a scanner. We can't enter that asset tag until we've already created the device. So first we have to give it a name of some sort. Right. Then find it, search it by that name, then edit it, then enter the asset tag. Um. No, I got to take one step out of that. Uh, you don't necessarily have to search it, but what we've been what we've been doing because if you create it in that first little screen, it will take you to that asset immediately. Well, <laughs> immediately Immediate. is, is the wrong word to use because it takes a long time. Um, but it'll take you to that asset. What we've been doing is running a search before on a lot of items that possibly could have been picked up in the scan to make sure that we're not making duplicate entries. Um, and I have yet to see, and maybe I, I highly doubt that we have not tried to put in something twice. I, I haven't seen one it catch a duplicate entry where we're putting something in that's already been caught in a scan. Um, and uh, so there's that, but uh, you, you do your search and that, you know, takes X amount of time and then, uh, okay, you didn't find it, whatever. And the search is not Google-esque. Okay. Right. So we were using numbers, uh, uh, asset tag numbers that were kind of short and every iteration of that number combination. Right. So you've got asset tag number 103. You search for 103. You get every serial number that has the numbers 103 and every MAC address, every IP address. Right. Um, and so we had to go back and change the way we did asset tags and make them longer so that they would be more likely to be unique. Right. So the, and, and it doesn't accept leading zeros. It just chops off leading zeros, so that doesn't count. So we had to start with uh, like uh, 100,000, 100,000, Right. And that's less likely to happen. Um, and so it, it's a little short-sighted, in, in my opinion, in, in the manual entry and manual uh, uh, searching of, of devices. Well, and one, one problem with that is uh, – you know, another one, like, you know, Google's going to give you relevance in its search results, right? And Spiceworks, if I, if I search 183, I would think it would bring up the, the things that have just strictly 183. So if an asset tag is simply 183, you would think that would kind of have some relevance and be up on the list. But that wasn't the case. You might find it on the fifth page that you had to, you know, click through. So, uh, it just seemed like maybe some of that could have been done a little bit better. Uh, but you know, we don't want to be uh, glaring at them either because uh, you know it's a free product, right? Well, let's talk about that freeness now. Uh, when when Tabrez and Cole were on here, uh, we had not seen the product at all, uh, and they talked about the ads on the page, and and I made the comment of if they're you know unobtrusive Google esque type ads, I'm not gonna be bothered by them. They are so not unobtrusive Google esque type ads. Yeah, they're pretty good size. They're big, blinking, annoying uh, ads. And um, so, you know, yes, this is a free tool, but it's not without cost. Yeah. Um, you, you have to put up with the ads. And, and if you have an ad blocker on your browser, it it's 
tends to mess things up. I, I'm not going to accuse them of doing that on purpose, but I will say that the scripts that block ads sometimes block functionality within Spiceworks as well. Yeah. And so I have to use it in a browser that my an alternate browser that doesn't have the ad blocking plugins, and um, it's it's pretty annoying in my opinion. Again, uh, you are sort of getting something for nothing. You know, television commercials are annoying too, but I still watch television. Uh, right. So I understand there is a third party here that has to pay for this. Uh, Spiceworks uh, has resources, and uh, they're paying developers, and I get that. And there's there's money that has to be paid, and it's CDW and HP and, and Intel who's doing the paying in the form of ads. I get that. But um, I just wanted to set the record straight. It's not small, unobtrusive ads that you can easily ignore. Right. Absolutely. Um, and then I just wanted to throw in there, I, I kind of glossed on it, but uh, the database management, there seems to be, uh, maybe it's a database access and neither Mark or I are database experts, but uh, certainly when you're working within that inventory and once the database seems to grow, it it get the access times uh, become quite long. Uh, so if you're sitting there with a stack of 20 new laptops or something that you need to uh, throw into the inventory, uh, it's, it, it's kind of painfully slow. Right. And, and I heard uh, Tabrez Syed, uh, who was on our show uh, in a different uh, um, event that I was uh, a part of, uh, he and, and Cole were there. Uh, and, and I asked that question, you know, are there some performance tweaks that we can do? And, and they recommended breaking things up into smaller groups. Uh, for example, our workstations group has 600 or so, uh, devices in it. And what they say is if you break those down into smaller groups with less than a hundred, uh, items or so, uh, the less than a hundred I put in there, but with smaller, smaller groups, it will improve performance. I have not gone through and done that, uh, because that process is going to be very painful uh, right. because every click takes several seconds. Um, you know, we probably will do that. We'll put a student slave, I mean, student aid uh, <laughs> on it and have them go through it. Uh, but uh, anyway, those are those are just some some updates to Spiceworks that uh, we we approached it for before from a complete. Uh, standpoint of ignorance we asked the questions that we thought our listeners would ask now we've come back and we've had some experience with it and we're not ready to throw it out no but we're not in love with it either right right uh and honestly the community alone is worth at least getting in and you know becoming part of that community because there's a lot of great stuff out there so all and right. uh, next item on the docket, uh, new egg sucks. Um, I'm just gonna leave it at that. Uh, just leave it at that. Yeah, no, 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 no. Come on, you got to get uh, more detail than that. This is a good story. Uh, last week or maybe two weeks ago, I ordered uh, from Newegg.com some Slimline CD uh, DVD drives, rather, uh, to go in. Some we have some uh, some compact machines. Most of our machines here are compact, and they have the Slimline uh, laptop Should style say compact. Com, not compact. Yeah, it kind of sounded like that. Compact. You know, the company. Yeah. No, compact. Small. Um, uh, drives that, you know, the kind that, 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 like you might have it in your car that where the, the disc slides in and out, uh, rather than or the laptop. big drawer, right? Laptop or in your ones. laptop. That's a, a better way to put it. So anyway. I ordered a dozen of those uh, because we have a number that have failed over time and just need to be replaced. And uh, they have uh, Slimline SATA connections on it, and our devices don't have Slimline SATA connections. I'd never heard of a Slimline SATA connection. Uh, that's either a new standard or one that has just not uh, been on my radar yet. Right. So then I ordered some adapters 
that would go from slimline SATA to regular SATA. And with the adapter on it, they don't fit in the case anymore. Uh, it just it doesn't fit. So right. it's just not going to work for me. So I did an RMA process through Newegg, and they charged me a 15% restocking fee. Now, these were $40 a piece, and I ordered a dozen of them, so roughly $480. Yep. And the restocking fee was $70. That's significant. Okay. Not only that, but then I have to pay the shipping to send it back. Yeah. Now, I understand it's not Newegg's fault that I ordered the wrong device. All right. They had to pay somebody to put that on a truck. And they shipped it to me, and they had to order more stock. And then when I send this back, they may be overstocked. I get that. I understand that I caused an inconvenience. But I did not cause $70 worth of inconvenience by misordering a common product that they will easily be able to resell. Right. Right. So um, just thought I'd throw that out there. 20 bucks, maybe? 20 bucks? Yeah. Yeah, that's something at least to kind of know up front, you know. So Newegg's popular, and there's a lot of people out there using them. But if you haven't run into that 15% restocking fee. That's pretty darn steep. Yeah, you need to know about it. It's 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 punitive is what it is. And, in fact, we I still haven't decided whether I may just keep the $400 worth of stuff I don't need uh, in the hopes that I might use it someday rather than spend – uh, $70 plus probably another 20 shipping. So I'm spending a hundred to recoup my 400. I mean, that's, that's, that's not really good business. Yeah. Well, we had talked about, you might be able to go put them out on eBay and, and come out better. Right. Even if I take a loss, right. right? I paid 40 a piece. And if I sell them for 38 a piece, I, I come out ahead. Right. So anyway, uh, that, that's enough about that. All right, uh, future, future, yeah, future. We, uh, Sean and I have been discussing uh, where this podcast is and where it needs to go. Uh, we are right at the six-month mark, uh, a little past it, six and a half months. And we had told ourselves when we began this thing that we would uh, um, reevaluate where we are at uh, the course of, of uh, six months. Uh, and just a side note, I updated the uh, website last week, maybe two weeks ago. I think it was last week. Uh, and I included um, the little uh, flash player so that you can listen to all of our podcasts uh, oh, yeah. um, right, right there from yeah. the blog post. And I thought that was kind of a, a handy service to do. But in the process of that, I had to listen to the first several seconds of each podcast just to make sure I had the right file and the right one. And I would just like to apologize in advance for our first six or seven episodes. <laughs> um, they were kind of a snooze fest, and, and we obviously didn't know what we were doing. And uh, six months from now, I'll probably apologize for this episode. So sure. just having said that. Um, our community is such that uh, we are pretty much hitting the tech audience out there and not so much hitting the teacher audience out there. That's not necessarily a bad thing. It's right. not where we started out, but that seems to be that uh, we, our education, our focus is education, but not so much classroom because that's our expertise and that's the people we know. And so we're going to not abandon, but we're going to less um, strenuously focus on the classroom until such time as we can get somebody who is more classroom-centric. We've been talking about the possibility of adding a third host who is a classroom teacher or maybe a frequent uh, guest host who is a teacher. But uh, it's come to our... um, uh, 
notice that Sean and I simply don't have uh, the knowledge and skills and expertise to speak with any authority about anything that happens in a classroom. So for the for the time being, we're going to focus a little more on ed tech, ed administration, and a, and a little less on the classroom because we'd rather do what we can do well uh, than do something and not do it well. Right, and, and that's not to say that because uh, we've got teachers lined up right now, they're going to come on the show and talk about what's happening in the classroom. But we're going to view it more uh, from the administrator standpoint when even in talking with them and uh you know we're, we're certainly wanting to hear what they're doing in the classroom and how technology is imp- impacting them but uh we're going to look at it with an administrative eye so i think that's something that we're going to be trying to keep in mind i don't know that a listener is going to notice the difference or not but uh, we'll it's just throw sort it of a there. mission statement we need to know where we are and where we're going right and uh in in six months from now, if we reevaluate and find that uh, uh, our listener base is much more classroom centric, then we'll we'll go from there. As I've said so many times, this is your podcast, and we are your servants. We're going to go where you need us to go. Uh, this isn't about our ego, and, right. and so. But right now, what what you are telling us is that you're more interested in the administrative side of things and the tech side of things and less interested in the classroom side of things. So when we do talk about classroom uh, things, and we will, we will focus on the classroom, it will be from a uh, here's a tip that you can take to your teachers or here's an administrative idea uh, that you can implement in your classrooms. So we're going to be talking more to the techs and to the administrators uh, about teacher stuff. Right. So uh, we'll just see how that goes. Well, and, and yeah, and to get an idea of, you know, how we, because uh, we do impact the classroom. So we have to be somewhat in touch with it. But, uh, yeah, telling you exactly how you're going to use a specific tool inside the classroom and what kind of things you're going to do with the students, uh, you won't find it here. No, but we will talk about how, for example, we offer training to our teachers. You know, that's one of our jobs is we train the teachers in the classroom tools. So we'll show you the training that we offered them. And that's a question I often get. You talked about X. Do you have any documentation or training that you can share with us on introducing X to the classroom? And so right. that's that's where we're going to go from there. So, that, you know, that's our job. That's what we do. It's what we know best. It's how we think we can best serve our listeners. Yeah, Absolutely. Well said. So moving right along, uh, the title of this episode is Whose Land Is It Anyway? And, and this starts with a story and, and I don't know if it ends with any kind of a moral, but, uh, I thought we'd, we'd, uh, uh, go anyway. A couple weeks ago, a teacher during the course of a conversation about uh, something else, uh, said to me, you know, the kids are playing Halo on the land, right? I said, no, I I didn't know that, but, uh, doesn't bother me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Um, and then she said something to the effect of, you know, uh, are you going to make any effort to stop it? And and my response was, that's a classroom management issue, not a technology issue. If your students in your classroom have time and, and uh, energy to play Halo and you don't notice it, that's not really on them and it's certainly not on me. That's yeah. on you for managing your classroom. If, and if they can play Halo, if they're good at multitasking, our kids today are good at switching. Nobody does two things at once, but we switch quickly. Um, and, and if our kids can switch that quickly from their death match with the rocket launcher back to algebra and it doesn't affect either, uh, let them, you know? 
Yeah, so, that that's one I have a hard time swallowing, quite honestly, if I was a teacher. But at the same time, I wouldn't come to my tech guy and complain about it. You know, uh, I would say uh, there's a problem with engagement there. And uh, if I saw my kids doing that, one, I'd put a stop to it. And two, I would try to answer the reason why they even are, are going to that. You know, obviously I'm not interesting enough. I'm not engaging them. I'm not, uh, uh, you know, keeping them on the hook. So, uh, th- that's, that's seems to be the real problem. You said classroom management and technology is not a classroom manager. Right. So. And so being the, um, thorough technician that I am <laughs> wanting to get a handle on the true nature of the situation. Yeah, the scope. Um, uh, the, the rifle scope. I uh, <laughs> loaded Halo on my own machine and looked at uh, what was going on out there. And at any point in time, uh, there were an average of 25 to 30 students in different LAN matches blowing each other's brains out. Which, for reference, that's uh, what, 1 in 10, roughly? Roughly, yeah. yeah. Roughly a tenth of our high school. And this was just at our high school this was happening. Um, and as we've alluded to before, we have a very uh, technology-rich high school. Every Every student has a computer in front of him all day long. And so that makes this possible. If you simply have one computer lab in your school and people shuffle in and out of it, this is going to be less of an issue. But I still think some of the uh, moral imperatives there uh, carry over that that we'll talk about here in a minute. Um, So... I jumped in and, and started playing Halo with them, not uh, just to play the game, but to see, um, you know, what was going on. And, and uh, I looked in there, honestly, honestly, just to see what was going on. Yeah, I'm, sure. I'm not lying. <laughs> um, I've got Halo 3 on Xbox at home. I don't need the old Halo on the PC here. Uh, so... Um, what I found was these kids, you know, you create a gamer tag, which is your, your username within the game. They were putting their own names, their full names, like James Fuller and, and Bill Johnson. Yeah. Uh, they were putting them in. Obviously, there was no uh, hiding it or fear in there, you know. And so I did the same. I, you know, I put Mr. C on there and let them know <laughs> who I was. And, and then I walked up and beamed them in the back of the head and killed them. Uh, so anyway, I I only did this for a little while, uh, until I I just wanted to get a sense of, uh, of scope. And I found that they were a handful of kids, you know, the same five or six kids that were sort of hosting. And the way Halo works is you, you set up a, uh, a server, quote unquote, and you host it and other people join it. So then I pulled up iTalk, our favorite uh, uh, classroom management and, and land management tool, and uh, started finding those kids on the network and looking at where they were. And invariably, there were five, six, eight of them all in one class doing it. It wasn't one student here, one student here. And, and like Sean said, this is a tenth of our student body. Right. So even if they're all spread out, there's still going to be several in each classroom. But it was it was way worse than that. There were like three classrooms it was going on in, and uh, there were masses of them all in that classroom. Yeah, but another interesting thing, and this is a great thing about iTalk because you get to see this overall uh, kind of bird's eye view, uh, is there were classrooms that it was not going on at, at all. all. Right. At Never. All. Right. Because the teacher had those students engaged in doing things or had the computers turned off. Right. Um, so I approached one of the teachers about it that was one of the, the most uh, uh, prolific users there in, in his classroom. He's our science teacher. And he said, yeah, I know about it. Um, we have, uh, you know, uh, we do a modified block schedule. Some of our classes are 90 minutes long here. And he says, you just can't keep a freshman for 90 minutes. So I teach them for 20 minutes. I give them a 10-minute break and let them play Halo. And then they're refreshed and they're focused and they come back and we learn for 10 more minutes. That's a progressive point of view, and that's great because um, – 
you know, the, the way we approach it here, the teacher is sort of the lord of their domain. If he wants to do that, he's welcome to do that as long as he's covering the material and his students are performing. And I will say this teacher students perform. This right. teacher students top out every test they take. They, they, they go to college and they pursue the sciences because of his impact on their lives. Yeah, he's so, a great teacher. Right. So you're not going to accuse this guy of being lazy. He understands his students. And that was, in his case, it was a classroom management tool. Rather than having discipline issues, he simply let them have 10 minutes of grenade launcher fights, and then they came back and they focused on something else. So I started uh, doing a little more research, and, and I found the file that they had been using, and, and I discovered that it was um, a bootleg copy that somebody had downloaded. Right Now, at this point, that's my only issue with this. Now, in terms of land traffic, um, Halo uses 56K or so of, of traffic to send back and forth. It's nothing. Um, I think the original Halo PC could actually be played over dial-up. Uh, so it's, it's in terms of impacting my land, doesn't exist. So I don't care about it from that standpoint. Right. Um, the, the internet traffic is blocked at the firewall, so they're not uh, uh, putting any traffic, they're not using any of our bandwidth for the internet. It's strictly on the land, and it's strictly um, um, low impact. So as a technology administrator here, as the guy in charge of our network, it was a non-issue and nothing I cared about. However, I can't knowingly have illegal software on my network. I, it, I just can't do that. Right. Uh, for moral reasons, for legal reasons, for, for ethical reasons. It just, I just can't. So, uh, I pulled up my, my favorite tool, AutoIt, which we'll talk about is my tip of the week here. It's yeah. one of my favorite tools. And I wrote a quick script that if it detected Halo running, shut down the machine. I was vicious. I didn't shut down Halo. I didn't restart. I put up a warning. I just, I didn't put up a warning. I just quietly shut down the machine. Yeah, and my, which also got them if they had something else open. If they right. had the, the, if they the were trying to quote, unquote, yeah. Or, yeah. If they were trying to quote unquote multitask, you know, it, it the, there was a price to be paid for playing Halo. Uh, and also, what I wanted to create was the illusion that there was something wrong with the game. Hey, every time I launch this game, it shuts me down. Right. Okay. Well, interestingly enough, nobody thought that. Nobody thought there's something wrong with the game. They thought that Sean and I were sitting, staring at our computers and waiting, and every time we saw somebody play Halo, we remote shut them down. Which, we have the capability to do that. Right, but we certainly have the, don't have the time or the inclination to do that. This right. was all automated, and, and I, I had it create a little log out there on the network so I could see who was doing it and when it happened, and every now and then I'd check the log, and oh, we got eight more this, this uh, period, yeah. and, and go on. <laughs> And they tried hard to get around it. They tried everything they knew. And in the process of trying everything they knew, some of them discovered a way to bypass iTalk. Now, this is not yeah. a secret. In fact, I postulated uh, a year and a half ago when we first started using iTalk, some uh, uh, principal or superintendent asked me how somebody might get around it. And I thought, well, if you rename this file and kill the service kill the service yeah. it'll try to restart but can't because the file is renamed and and that'll that'll work i don't know if somebody found it on youtube or what but somebody figured out the same thing that i had figured out the the ica.exe if you rename that you can rename it while it's running windows will let you do that um and then you kill the service and then it tries to reload the service it can't kid no longer has italc running uh, and uh, to the teacher, when you uh, are looking at that class, it just looks like that computer is not turned on. Right. But we have other tools, Fog being one of them, uh, the, the Cornerstone tool that we've talked about before being another, where we can see 
um, other processes running. We don't need iTalk to know uh, if a kid is 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 computer is on and what he's doing. And so I saw that this technique was spreading. That uh, once the, the kids first were kid found it, it on, yeah. they were spreading it along, and they thought they were immune. So I wrote another script using Autoit that uh, detects if somebody has made this alteration and shuts down the computer again. And because of the uh, cornerstone tool that we've talked about before, like like Deep Freeze, that, that locks down, every time you restart the computer, it comes back in its pristine form. So there's no harm that their their changes aren't permanent. And so, again, there was a penalty to be paid for shutting down iTalk. This made them mad. Not just... Oh, man. But swearing in class, mad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and interestingly, they didn't come to us. They went to their teachers. Yeah, we got calls from the teachers. Teachers saying, yeah. they're saying that this Halo is shutting them down. So the kids were fully willing to admit they were playing Halo to their teachers and were complaining that the technology wasn't working in their behalf. Right. That's fascinating to me. When when I was a kid, if I was doing something like that, um, I would certainly never admit to it, and I would never complain if the technology didn't do, didn't play the game that I wanted to play. Well, and that uh, to that end, it kind of has me wondering if maybe the teachers' mindsets about the technology actually being in the classroom is changing. If they're being more accepting of it, because certainly before we would have had like teachers with you know, uh, torches and pitchforks on our doorstep going, the kids are playing Halo. And uh, we didn't get that. That was the one really odd thing Nobody about complained. This. Not one complaint. It was just, did you know? Right. And, and you know, I, I was asked, do you intend to do anything about it? But nobody demanded that I do something about it. Nobody went to the principal and said, this is happening. So we, yeah. Which we've experienced before with right. like chat clients. Right, with Facebook and with, you know, with other uh, much uh, less uh, disruptive, in my opinion, tools. Right. We, we've had this sort of thing. Um, so apparently um, one of these students was getting very angry during class, so much so that he became a disruption to the class. So the science teacher we mentioned before threw him out of his class, said, go, just go meet me out in the hall, put his kids on a task and came out and said, stop moaning about it. And let's go do something about it. He brought that kid down to our office and basically threw the, opened the door and shoved him in, uh, <laughs> metaphorically speaking. Yeah, that kid was, uh, that, that's the funny thing is he was literally afraid to walk into our office. And, uh, I don't know if that's because the way the teacher presented this situation to him, but, uh, he was shaking in his boots. And you, it's funny to listen to like a 15 year old kid when he's nervous because, he, he squeaks. <laughs> so, uh, so he starts making his case to us in, in his squeaky voice. And it was just hilarious. So here's, here's a side number one. Your students fear you, technology director, whether you realize it or not. It doesn't matter if you're the nicest guy in the world. It doesn't matter if you give them candy and lollipops every day. Those especially that don't know you. And unless you live in, uh, work in the tiniest, tiniest school, not all students know you. Not all students have impact with you, uh, interaction with you. They fear you. You are a subject of fear and trembling and often hatred and rage. Yeah, you're the eye in the sky. You're the guy who is reading every single one of their emails and, and, you know, you're sitting there just watching over their back all day long. I mean, that's how they see us. Right. So, uh, it was kind of amazing to us. And I mean, this kid, 
literally said that, you know, well, you guys are the ones that are watching over us. And when we, when we start, you're shutting us down. Right. Right. And even asked the question, you know, Hey, look, I pulled up notepad and was typing notes to you. Did you see that? No, I wouldn't. I was working. Right. We, we had to explain computer. to him, you know, we've got better things to do than to sit there and babysit a bunch of kids on the computers. So take that note, technology director, network administrator, um, computer science teacher. Take note of the fact that there, there's a good chance your students fear you and out of fear dislike you. And they don't right. really have a good basis for it. Right, and they see you as that kind of Gestapo SS kind of uh, person, and and really, yeah, have a have a hatred for you. Maybe you like that. Maybe that. Maybe you're puffing your chest out right now, going, "Yeah, yeah, I want that's the way it should be." Hate. That's right. <laughs> but you know, you cause trouble for people that you feel are antagonistic against you, and these are the kind kind of kids who uh, stuff Jolly Ranchers inside CD-ROM drives, right? Right. If they know that you're a person with a personality and and somebody they might actually like, there's less likely they're going to do this. We we when we have students who come in here who are student aides or whatever, after the first week they're like, "You guys are the coolest teachers ever." But right. the first day they're like, "Oh my gosh, I'm I got to the- go work for these guys." <laughs> I'm in the dungeon. <laughs> and so that's that's one of the morals of the story is is humanize yourself to your students and it will most likely, I'm not going to make any promises here, but it will most likely um, alleviate some of your discipline issues. Yeah. So we cut this kid a deal. I said, look, my only issue here is that it's illegal. And this is like a six- or seven-year-old game. It's been out a while. I bet you can go to Half Price Books or eBay or Amazon and find copies of it for five or ten bucks each. And I said, look, you find 20 people to bring me 20 legal licensed copies of Halo, I will let it be on my network. I will put them in a file, and if somebody asks, I will say, look, these are licensed and legal. Right. And there may be 30 people, uh, or there may be 25 people. I'm willing to you know, accept that occasionally we may overrun the, the, the numbers. But if you bring me 20 here, and they're legal and they're licensed, and you paid for it, and you have input to it, um, then we'll we'll do this. I'll let it happen. This was Friday. Uh, we're recording this on Monday. Nothing has happened yet, and I don't think he's going to be able to pull it off. Right. We've got we've got a few students, uh, like you said, that work for us, and uh, we were asking them about that today and what was the word on the street, so to speak. And uh, it sounds like it's essentially died. And uh, what I would suspect is that the kids are probably moving on to the next great thing, so they're going to try and find some other way to. Uh, to beat us to dupe the system but i think what's going to happen here is if anybody ever oh i forgot the best part of the story the note oh yeah yeah the note friday afternoon (laughs) sean turns around and a piece of paper has been shoved under the door handwritten in pencil that says let us play halo right it it might as well have been wrapped around a brick really it was just um and so i thought okay here's what we're gonna do we're not going to ignore this. We're not going to play it off. We're not going to get mad about it. He wrote on there, bring us a legal copy, and posted it, taped it back out on the door. For right, I wanted it out there where everybody would see it. So there was a note that said, let us play Halo, and handwritten under it was, bring us a legal copy. So when that kid came back to us, he confessed to having been the one that wrote the note yeah. and said, so if I bring you one legal copy, you'll it'll be okay? I said, no, no, no. That's not how licenses work. It's got to be a copy for every person who plays. 
Yeah. So, no, you can't bring me one and everything will be okay. Every person who plays has to have a license. So we got to educate that kid a little bit on the fact that, um, you know, this, this is a legal issue. It's not a moral issue. It's not an us against them issue. This is the feds closing down the school issue. Right. Right. And, and I, even if he doesn't do anything, even, even if he doesn't find 19 friends willing to, to chip in 20 bucks so that they can play Halo, I think he learned a lesson. And he learned, he learned that A, we're people. And B, we like to play Halo too. Sure. <laughs> and, <laughs> and C, that he can change this. He has the power now. It's in his hands. If he's an ambassador, ambassador enough, if he can create, uh, interest enough to get his kids to, uh, his friends to, uh, pass up a pizza once, uh, to play Halo from now on, then it's his. It's in, it's his responsibility. So we empowered him to make this happen. And so again, I think that's object lesson number two is empower your students, even if they don't, even if it's something you're afraid they might succeed at, right? Empower them. Let them see what happens. Well, and we, we threw in a caveat on that too. We said, um, <coughs> excuse me, uh, that he could manage to actually pull this off. And if we heard any squawking from teachers and that they were being disruptive and doing it when they were not allowed to do it, that we still could pull the plug after right. the fact. Yeah. So I made we, a point that the yeah. teacher is, the teacher makes that call. And if your algebra teacher doesn't want you to do it, but your history teacher says it's okay, then you do it in the history class, you don't do it in the algebra class, or we'll shut it down. Right. So, yeah, we built the back door in there just to be on the safe side, just in case they do come walking in here with 20 copies. So if he shows up and he makes it happen, I'll let you know, and and we'll see what happens. But I thought it was a, a poignant uh, thing. I'm 38 years old. Um, I've been doing this for 15 years. I'm young compared to some of you. I'm old compared to others of you. Um, but it's been a long time. It's been 20 years since I was a high school student. I have forgotten more than I remember. We all like to think we're in touch. We all, all right. like to think, oh, I remember. what. No, we don't. We don't. The 22-year-old fresh out of college doesn't remember what it's like to be in high school. He's forgotten that world. Well, and we certainly don't know what it's like to be in a high school full of computers. Right. You know? I know that my high school had a four or five uh, computer lab and uh, don't know where it was and never saw it. Yeah, we played Hunt the Wumpus on our computer lab. <laughs> you know what Hunt the Wumpus is? I don't. Hunt the Wumpus was a game on the TI something computer, the TI personal computer back in the in the day. And it was a, a, a text-only game. You you type, walk into room, like you like type, oh, yeah, walk into room, those. or yeah. go left, and text will come up and say, uh, there's nothing to see here. There's yeah. a door on your right. And then you say, go right. You have found the Wumpus. He just killed you. <laughs> right. So Hunt the Wumpus was the extent of our game playing when I was in school. Um so, yeah, if I had Halo, if I had the ability to play a 3D uh, full-functioning uh, multiplayer land game, yeah, I'd be doing it. Oh, sure. And you, and if you couldn't, you'd be really trying to figure out how to pull it off. Right. Yeah. 
So, yeah, very cool. Uh, you know, one, one thing that uh, does come to mind, though, because I can just imagine right now, I mean, uh, the people out there, can you imagine that, like, the tech director of DISD, uh, Dallas ISD, uh, something like that, just listening to all this and just, like, I don't know, his ears begin bleeding? I, mean, <laughs> I, I think we're... I'm curious what your thoughts are, Mark, on uh, how that goes to scale. Because obviously, when you're in that kind of an environment, and then all you've got to worry about uh, all the politic, all, all the politics that's going to pop up out well, of it, right? I've heard administrators many, many times refer to uh, their schools in the same language that wardens refer to their prisons. Yeah, uh, and in fact, we build schools a lot like prisons. Uh, they, they, you know, instead of being eight by 10 cells, they're 18 by 18 classrooms. Um, but the layout is pretty much the same. You got one long hallway with doors on either side <laughs> and a little window that you can't get anything through. Um, and, and they'll say things like, you know, you can't let something like this happen or the kids will be all over you. They'll eat you up or whatever. Or, you know, you can't show, uh, any weakness or they'll, they'll eat you alive. Maybe in Compton, that's what it's like. Yeah. But here in, in Podunk, Texas, and probably everywhere else in the world, it's really not like that. It's, it's fear. It's, it's teachers and administrators being afraid of their students. But like I said earlier, the students are afraid of you. And maybe if you can find some common ground and let them play Halo or whatever their, their choice is, maybe you'll find that you have more in common than you than you don't. I yeah. don't know. Maybe that's a little John Lennon kumbaya, if I can only imagine, uh, sort of thing here. But um, it just seems to me that when you treat students like prisoners, they're going to react like inmates, right? And so right. they're going to, the, you know, they're going to shiv you in the, in the bathroom. Yeah. Um, well, and that is, I mean, so much of that behavior is, is reactionary, definitely. Um and uh, so I, I agree, you know, philosophically with what you're saying, but I'm just like, I could not see it. I, it'd, it'd be a miracle to see anybody pull it off in a large right. district. I've never managed a network of 10,000 students across 12 high schools. You know, I, right. I don't know what that's like. Right. Uh, so I, I can't, I can't speak to that well there's got it's got to be difficult one with all the different levels of leadership that you run into and you know it's bureaucracy is what it is it's different levels there that you just that'd be the hard part is just pulling all that off and then of course i mean can you just hear the uh the news would get a hold of it and talk about how kids are you know playing violent games and killing each other and this is why columbine happens and uh, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> i i just picture all of that because uh it seems so innocuous here and and yet to draw to drill that out to a large district right it, it would be a whole different bag of pandora's box you right know? which i'm right thank you for for leading me down that road i'm not advocating that you let your kids play halo on your network right it was an example of something interesting that happened here that i thought brought up some interesting points yeah absolutely and so that it's let's take the salient points out of it and and i'm not advocating that you do exactly the same thing uh in your district yeah if i if i sounded like that i didn't mean to yeah that's a, i think that's where i was trying to go get some clarification there <laughs> but you know there were a couple of uh, points there that whatever you do 
whatever technological measure you put in place, your students will fight against it and find ways around it. Um, well, know, and we had even said, you know, there's, I'm sure there's some enterprise solution that you can pay a ton of money uh, to put a stop to things like this. And of course, we don't have anything like that in place and uh, we're not going to pay the money to do it. So, right. Uh, so, you know, there were, there were just a couple points I wanted to hit there. Um, and, you know, and, and I'm not going to uh, keep reiterating them, but uh, uh, lines, communication goes a long way. I guess is if I had a, an overall point, that would be it. Communi- we communicated with that student. He communicated with us. And we told him, you know, it, it took guts to walk in this room. And we uh, we applaud you for that. He was a little 16-year-old kid or 15 or whatever. And, and he was literally, you know, about to wet himself facing down these two authority figures. Uh, so you Which know, we just laugh at internally, right? Because right. <laughs> that's so not us. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I think, I hope that we made some small breakthrough over this and we still had, you know, the net effect of the kids aren't playing Halo on our network anymore, but now they know why and they have a reason behind it and not just because I said so. So anyway, again, thought it was an interesting story. Thought I'd share it with you. If I've wasted 40 minutes of your time, I apologize, but let's be honest. It won't be the last time. (laughs) At least you're honest. And so I'm going to move right into our tip of the week. And the tip of the week that I've mentioned a couple of times is called AutoIt. And the website is AutoIt, A-U-T-O-I-T, AutoIt. Whatever it is, this will do it in an automated fashion. AutoItScript.com. And I have used this tool forever. Uh, in fact, they're, they're, there's version 3 out, and it's not even new. It's been around a long time. But the only one I know how to use is version 2, the quote-unquote legacy version. Um, the uh, syntax for, for version 3, I understand, is sort of uh, uh, C-plus-ish, uh, sort of like uh, programming in C. Uh, the version 2 is very Visual Basic-ish, and, and that's the a language I know. Anyway, I've been using it to automate... Anything I need automated for a long, long time. Uh, it was the basis for the scripts that we used to run um, before we found Fog. Um, the things that would change the name of a machine, change the set of it, add it to the domain, and right. do all those things uh, automatically. I wrote scripts that did that. We don't use those anymore because Fog does all that for us. But I've used it um, many years ago. We bought a a whole bunch of switches basically redid our entire network actually built the network there was no redoing we did it for the first time and we had to create vlans and so i had to go through 24 ports on something like 96 switches and do the same number of steps on each one through the web interface to create the vlans i did the first one and thought this is ridiculous then i spent you know an hour or so coding together an auto script that did exactly the same thing through the web browser, I set it to run, and I went home. And when I got back right. Monday morning, they were all done. AutoIt does that sort of thing. Any mouse click, any keyboard press, anything that you can do with your hands on a computer, AutoIt can do it for you in an automated fashion. Yeah, it's like building macros for your computer. Right. It's right. it's it's macros in the extreme. And it has, uh, for example, I said, you know, it created a log. It writes the computer name, the student name, the time that it happened, and, and what it did. And, and uh, it's, it's, it's a great thing. Uh, get it. You won't, won't be sorry. AutoItScript.com. 
Absolutely. And you said you were going to throw up some example scripts as well. Is that right? Uh, well, I thought I might. Uh, I could put up the source code for how we stop them from disabling italc. Anybody out there who's using italc, your kids will probably figure that out. Um, so, you know, I dropped the nuclear option on them and shut down the machine when they did it. Uh, it was a five-line script, maybe. And right. uh, I can put that out on, on the website so that uh, people could see a real-world example of it. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds good. They're like how I commit you to more and more things. Yeah, that's great. Hey, you're gonna you're gonna do that, right? While I ride off into the sunset. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'm gonna jump in with the teacher tip of the week, and uh, I guess it would be a good time to also mention. You know, we talked about uh, uh, the show format and not so much changing it, but just uh, kind of solidifying where we're going with it. And uh, we had talked about kind of well do we really still need a teacher tip of the week but i think uh it's still relevant in the fact that uh, we're going to be passing these along to people who can uh, in turn pass them on um and i'm no genius out there with my you know ear to the google ground uh i'm getting these from other people as well so we're just trying to pay it forward i guess is really the way to put it um and this one i believe I got it from Seth, uh, Seth Anderson out there. So I'm going to. A member of our forum as well. Right. Yes. And I'm going to give him, uh, mucho props because he has over the last few weeks sent me not just like a tip here and there. He's sending me like entire repositories, you know? <laughs> so he's done like a year's worth of work for me. He's like, Oh yeah, here's this, this site and it's got like a hundred tips and I'm looking at him going, wow, these are all great, you know, and there's a lot of stuff I haven't seen before. So, so. you're going to parse those out one by one instead of just giving us the whole site? Uh, right, exactly. Right. Oh, yeah, sure. I got Because that makes you, know. you seem smart, right? <laughs> right. So that's what I'm here to say right up front is, Seth, you sent me some really good stuff, and I appreciate it. Uh, one of those, I believe this is uh, from one of those uh, sites, is uh, Pencil Animation. And I don't know uh, if anybody's run across this or not. It's a very uh, kind of simple drawing animation tool uh, that you can do. And it's a, it's something that you're going to download. It is a, a, a program that you're going to run on a computer. Uh, it's uh, Windows and Mac and Linux. So we like that. It's cross platform. Uh, and you basically you do traditional hand drawn uh, style cartoons, uh, and uh, it's bitmap and vector graphics, and uh, you, you do that, and uh, you do some basic animation. So it really looks like a cool tool to use in that te technology apps classroom where they're uh, they're playing around. I think we have something called Animation Master mm -hmm. th that uh, I believe we actually paid for that, right? Uh, paid a good bit of money for it. It's a 3D rendering. It does a lot more. Right. It does a lot more, but uh, they also don't really use all that functionality. I mean, when you're talking about uh, getting kids in for nine weeks, uh, you're not going to they're not going to do a three three D cartoon, uh, so I think this is just it's something worth looking at if you're uh, if you're wanting to get into the beginning animation and uh, it's free. I guess I should have mentioned that. Of course, uh, by now if you're listening to us, you probably figured that out. But uh, it's pencil hyphen animation dot org, and of course it'll be out there on our website. And what's the address of that website? The the tightwadtech.com. Not to these, not the these. Not to these, yeah. I stress the the, the, because uh, we were actually referenced in another podcast, and it sounded like they said dtightwadtech.com. Okay. <laughs> so, and that just killed me. I was like, 
Oh, oh, they they told them they said our site, and then it was like, oh, they said oh, it wrong, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, it just didn't. It, so I pictured all these people that were going to d and not finding us, as opposed to a, b, and c right? The Uh Twitter dot com slash the Tywadtech, Facebook dot com slash the Tywadtech. Why would you want to do that? Well, if you're following us on one of those networks, you would have known that we were broadcasting this live today you could have joined us in the chat room absolutely um, uh, really honestly that's about all we do with facebook and and twitter hopefully we'll do more in time give you some value add for being there but really the the meat of the matter is at the that's our community that's the the, the buddy press implementation that's uh our social network and uh it's growing every day in the in the sense that i'm finding cool things to add on to it and in the sense that new people are coming and feeding content into it and so uh if you're not there you should be yeah um and i really uh to, to our listeners out there that are part of that community uh we appreciate you because uh they're they're throwing some great stuff at us and uh even uh trying to stump uh mark that's over right there. stump the tight wire right <laughs> so that's kind of interesting to see because uh i'm certainly not at a level where i could probably ever do it i don't know every now and then i still i you know blindly stumble across something <laughs> that mark hasn't seen but uh, it's much more rare for me to stumble him and i work with him every day so uh i like seeing these people get on there and try to run new things by you i remind him that i've got a broken watch at home and it's right twice a day <laughs> right. So he's got some catching up to do oh yeah yeah I, but you know being humble yeah, not a problem for me <laughs> <laughs> okay so i think that wraps up this rambling episode of the Taiwan tech we thank you for listening if you've gotten this far go have a cookie you deserve it yeah and uh well i don't know we, we want to say definitively what we're putting out next week but uh a little more hardcore content next week right we like i said we've got uh um interviews in the works, uh, we have episodes upcoming. Uh, this was just a, a time where, due to scheduling conflicts, we sort of had some dead time. Uh, but also, I thought we had an interesting story, and so we put dead time plus interesting story, and this is what we came up with. Yeah. All right. All right. So uh, thanks, everybody. And um, anybody out there playing fantasy football, you're probably better at it than I am. Just oh, thought I'd throw that out there. And, uh, well, as of tonight, <laughs> I should be uh, taking me over first place. That's so. right. Thank you. Yeah, Thank I got to rub yeah. that in while I can't I, I don't think it's going to last. Yeah, I got stomped this week. I got beat last week. I got beat down this week. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I thought about it. Broke my heart. It didn't really have, <laughs> didn't really have time. But I think next year we're going to do a Tightwad Tech fantasy football league. Oh, that'd be that great. Would be cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So I can get beat down by even more people. That's right. Guess, right? <laughs> so, you know, it doesn't sound so bad when you say, yeah, I finished in third place out of 300. <laughs> well, yeah, well, no, but that's it. Just, you know, that's, that'll never happen. Right. right. <laughs> it was like third place out of six. <laughs> you know? But, uh, yeah, the next year we do something like that. I'll be like, yeah, it was 184. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're going to stop rambling, and I'm just going to say this is Mark signing off. And Sean signing off. Bye.